You guys are ready to go? You ready for the message? Hold on. We, we're trying to work this thing. I haven't worn this thing since Easter, so um, we'll, I don't know where I can go. But, so, all right. I don't care anymore. I'm going for it. All right. Great. I need this. Cool. Cool. Hey, let's show some honor for our new guests. Let's put our hands together for our new guests. Thank you all for being here with us today. We are grateful for your presence, and you could be anywhere else, but you're here for the next three hours, and we are grateful for that. <laughs> Trying to loosen up the stuffy people this morning. So, Someone tell your neighbor, don't be stuffy. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, so uh, last week we finished our message series, The Process. Um, was that a blessing to your life, The Process? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for two people. A um, couple woos, so it was very effective, I can see. Um, <laughs> look, I'm a little loose today because we're heading down to Florida afterwards, so I'm going to have fun with this. Um, is that okay? Can I just have some fun? You know, Good. Whenever I don't have the handheld, it's, it's a good Sunday. If I have the handheld, you're in trouble. I'm playing. I'm playing. Loosen up. All right, let's get into this a standalone message. So th this is really a, a message from the heart. Um, I'm going to be open. Uh, some of this may feel like you are a therapist and I am a patient. Um, and I just think that uh, that's, that's important, right? I think that that's important sometimes for the guy or the gal that's on the stage to be relatable. Um, I feel as though if Jesus is going to enter someone's heart, and if the gospel is going to be made flesh in a person's life, that uh, empathy is the entrance point. So I, I feel as though like, hey, I'm not preaching to you today. I'm, I'm preaching with you. I'm talking with you. We're having a discussion. I'm just talking the whole time and you're not. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, let's get into this. Um, so the, the, the title of this message will be on the second point. So this is a two-point message. I have one main verse, so just follow me today and go ahead and take notes. Uh, today I want to help us deal with negative thoughts, thoughts that seek to bring us down and to uh, zap us of our faith and our hope. Um, so today is going to be extremely practical. Hopefully uh, you, you come away with something valuable. Uh, research suggests that between 40 and 60,000 uh, thoughts per day uh, make their way through our, through our minds. Um, it's, it's crazy because they say 80% of today's thoughts are yesterday's thoughts. So like vast majority of the thoughts they, that we woke up with today came from yesterday. What was very alarming to me is, is that, my note takers are already giving me life, 98% of those thoughts are negative. At least that's what experts have come to realize, that 98% of our thoughts are negative. And uh, that can be explained from a physiological standpoint. We have this structure in our brains called the amygdala. And it is specifically designed to process fear and threats. And sometimes the amygdala is so effective at this that um, it processes fear and threats before we consciously catch on to the fact that we are afraid of something or worried about something. And it even begins to send sensory signals and motor signals through the brain into the rest of our body. So it's, it's, it functions in that way. It, 
they, the researchers say that the amygdala is Velcro to fear and threats, but it is repulsive to positivity. And it believes that the reason it doesn't have to hold on to, to positive things or to faith or to God's word, it believes the reason is because that another positive opportunity or faith-filled memory or thought is going to come around. So it's like, okay, well, you just came in and more will come, whatever. But fear, like the you can'ts and you won'ts and you won't be healed and you won't make it and God does not love you and the situation is impossible and this and this and that, it holds on to that stuff. And then that's where you get your, your fight or flight, you know? So you, you, you're either gonna retreat, or you're gonna fight against it, or you're gonna worry, or you're gonna become anxious. Millions of Americans deal with depression. I think we are now the number one country that deals with depression, given all of the resource that we have and how connected we are. <laughs> um, we are we're pretty depressed. When the amygdala starts to do its thing, the pineal gland begins to release cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And I promise we're going to get into the scripture, but it's a stress hormone. Um, it releases stress hormone. Any time that there's too much of a thing, it is bad. So what tends to happen is as we worry and as we remain fearful and doubtful about life, just more and more stress hormone is released uh, upon your hippocampus. The hippocampus is responsible for helping you to develop and latch on to new thoughts and new memories. But that structure is broken down the more that we stress. Hence, leaving us, mm, leaving it harder for us to hold on to something positive. So if you, if you deal with chronic worry or, or chronic fear or anxiety or sadness, chances are there's a recurring cycle of just negativity that is just lying dormant in your minds and in your souls. And um, this, this was crazy in my research. In neuroscience, there's this expression, this phrase that says, neurons that fire together, wire together. And it describes what is called experience-dependent neuroplasticity. Um, essentially, our experiences and thoughts can lead to the growth of new synapses. And so when, when, when this, these negative things or thoughts are firing off neurotransmitters and synapses and just your brain is just making new connections. And uh, the research shows that this has the ability or the power to change your genes. And so we all know like eye color and skin tone and height and hair type and Pastor Josh is muscly and all of you are skinny and you know, like that, 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 you know, that genes, genes. You know, I'm just loosening up the stuffy folk. Um, it has the ability to change our genes. And so when our genes are changed, our physical structures are changed. So literally our brains shrink when we live in constant negativity. Ultimately, the statement is that the brain takes its shape from, the, from what the mind rests upon. The brain takes a shape from what the mind rests upon. And today I believe that God wants to help us deal with um, negative thoughts. Um, who better than the Apostle Paul? Paul was called of Jesus Christ. His ministry spanned about 30 years. He went to some would say four continents. I would say three. Um, three different missionary journeys. 
And um, he wrote one-third of your New Testament. Paul, y'all. Someone say Paul, y'all. Paul, y'all. Yeah, not Paul Wall. Some of y'all too young to remember Paul. You, you, you remember Paul Wall. Some of you jits don't remember Paul Wall. Paul Wall, baby. I'm the people's champ. I'm sorry. Let me, I just eliminated half my uh, congregation. Come back. Tell him I'm feeling good. About to leave, get away from all the crazy. Praise the Lord. <laughs> sorry. All right. What was I saying? Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. So, Paul. Paul's the man. Paul. I hear you. Philippians 4.8 is what we're going to fixate on. Fixate on. I love that because of what it says. It says here, Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So he's, he's writing his most joyous letter to a church that he started in Philippi. And right now he is currently in shackles and in chains. And he has the audacity to be positive, to be faith-filled. And not just that, but to encourage people even when he's at his lowest. It's the apostle. And so it says this here, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If you're taking notes, the word fix here in the original language means to value. God is telling us that we have to begin to put a price on our thoughts. And, and I'm, I'm all for like the power of God and God can do anything and God, 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 God's sovereign, God is in control. I get all that. Yet, I won't say but, yet, conjunctions and words, yet, what I will say is that it seems as though the text implies that it takes intentionality on our ends to really win in the battle of the mind. So God can give us his spirit, but we have to fix our thoughts. So what does this mean? This means that any thought that degrades your relationship with God, God's love for your life, God's promises over your life, your potential, your future, who you are, how you look, any thoughts that degrade your life, any people that Satan is using to degrade your life, he's saying, you got you to gotta devalue those thoughts and kick them to the side. And he says that high thoughts that build your faith, that, that, that build your, your courage, that build your obedience, that builds your purity and your relationship with God, these honorable things, you begin to exalt in your life. And you, you, this is a penny, this is a billion dollars. And he said that you focus on those things so much to the point where he uses weighty stuff. He said weighty words, honorable. That word actually means weight, honorable, right, pure. My kids are amazing. They do have a destiny. I am a great parent in Jesus' name, pure, lovely, admirable. We will go here and have this influence. God will do this thing. Oh my God, they are amazing. They are blessed. I do love them. I speak life over people. Think about things that are excellent. Oh my God, like our house is clean. Our house is in order. Our, our life is in order. Think about these things worthy of praise. He uses weighty, valuable words, and he's saying we need to fix our thoughts on those things. Fix our thoughts 
on those things. And so today, like I said, I'm going to get a little transparent. And um, this message was birthed out of, I would say, about about two months ago. Um, We had went to sleep very late at night, and um, about 12 or 1 a.m., and I woke, you know, I couldn't sleep. I woke up around, I got up at five and I'm like, man, she's taking all the sheets. It's hot in here and it's humid. So I went to the couch and I'm up and I just had my phone and I'm like, what are the signs that you're on the verge of a mental breakdown? Like that's how bad it had gotten. Cause it had just been weeks of negativity and negativity and like my head was hurting and my shoulders was tight. And, and there's, there's this thing, and I didn't tell the first service this, but there's this um, for me, like I said, I'm, I'm flowing. Paul said, I, I, I had a thorn in my flesh. Um, you got to read Corinthians. There's a thorn in Paul's flesh. And um, he asked God to remove it three times. And Jesus told Paul that my grace is sufficient for you. My strength and my love for you is sufficient. I'm not going to remove that thing because that's the thing I'm using to keep you humble and to keep you dependent upon me because God will never have you live a life or he'll never orchestrate a life for you that doesn't need him. So if, if you ever find yourself lacking in any area, it's because God is calling you closer. So he said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that, but my strength is sufficient. I got this thing here in my shoulder. PK will tell you, and it's, it's weird. It's some kind of cyst or something. Um, it's benign. But PK will tell you, when my stress levels are low, it's soft. It's spongy. But when I'm stressed, it, it, it flames up and it hurts and it sends pain up the back of my head. And so that's just, that was going on for a few weeks and I couldn't sleep and I'm just like, I think I'm about to lose it. I call the church, tell them don't come. Like your pastor is jacked up. He is broken. Like shut this sucker down now. I'm okay. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just being real. All right. And I'm just up like, I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown. Thankfully, that day we had a meeting with our counselor, or you set me up for a one-on-one because you had sensed that there were some things going on with me. And um, we do preventative counseling. We're okay. We're healthy. All right, we're good. We're good. It's just human. Well, we're good, okay? Um, and so I told him um, what I was going through, and he gave me this idea. The first thing I want you to do, I want to help you with in order to overcome negative thoughts is this. You've got to learn to take your thoughts to court. Take your thoughts to court. And so um, about six weeks ago, this is about our second week here at Redland Middle School. And I don't know if you were here in June, but man, it was hot. Show of hands, who was here in June? Oh yeah, see, it was, woo, it was hot. And so this particular Sunday, I came, man, lethargic and tired. You know, you're riding to church trying to get your mind right, John. You know what I mean? Just riding, just rolling. You got on praise and worship, but your kids are in the back seat, and they're arguing. And you're just swinging at something. You're just like, hush and be quiet, and I got to preach in a minute. Get your life right. Oh, y'all don't want to be real. It's too many church faces in here. Take them off. This is real church, all right? So I'm like, just hush and, ah, Jay, get my shirt. Hurry up, get my jacket. All right, we're walking in, the, we, you know, we're coming on in, and, and I'm, tired, I'm already tired, and I'm like, PK, Pastor Carl, like, why is it so hot in here? 
All right, whatever. Get ready, get dressed, come up and do my thing. I'm not trying to make it unsacred, right? I'm, when I'm up here praying, it's real, okay? I promise you. But, okay, this is a real story. So, anyway, we're praying. I preached. I did the call of salvation. No one raised their hands for Jesus. It was the 9.30 a.m. service. I walked. I mean, I zoomed off the stage. I'm gone. Went to my room. I just felt terrible. And so um, I turned off the lights. They have a room set up for me somewhere in this building. I turned off the lights. I sat at my table. I put my head down. And, and just the thoughts just start coming. And then I, I verbalized the thoughts. And I just, man, I suck. Man, I was too harsh. I preached too hard. No one came to Jesus. It's hot. I'm just like, man, shut this thing down. No one's coming next week. Like, I'm wasting people's time. They could be at the, the beach. They could be enjoying life. They could be at the mall. Why did I even move people here? Like, this is so stupid. I suck. I suck. I suck. And, and I, told, I was telling my counselor that, and he was like, hmm, tell me more. You know, I got, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> tell me some more. It's like, yeah, I was just, I was just, he said, um, and, and the room was dark, and so I, I didn't stop there. I, then I went in on my team. I'm like, man, where's my team, man? No one's in here to pray for me. Man, they're so immature. <laughs> like, no, I ain't, I'm not trying to talk about them, but I'm just telling you this was my experience. And it just, it just got deeper and deeper and darker and darker. And I'm like, I'm not going out to the 11 o'clock to preach. Look at me. I'm a mess. I'm a mess, Lord. Like, and I, I was trying to see how could, how could we cancel the service or something. And um, so I was telling my counselor this, and he said, when you get, I'm okay. PK came in, she prayed for me, just to kind of finish the story off. And I came back out, one person came to Jesus at the 11 o'clock service, so it was great. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, awesome. Sorry. So I told my counselor this, and he said, he said, um, I want want to encourage you with something. The next time, if there's a next time, (laughs) he said, you need to take a deep breath. And I want to show you, I want to teach you about taking your thoughts to court. He said, you know, in any court case, you have a prosecuting attorney. And so if you're going to write notes, go ahead and write this down. I believe that this is going to set you free. Some of y'all are looking for me to read like the entire book of Hebrews and leave here and not understand the thing I said. But I believe if you latch on to this, you'll, you'll walk out of here free. You feel me, Amu? I just, the blood covenant and the goats and the lambs, and you're like confused, but I'm just trying to give us like practical things that we can chew on. And so um, he said that there's a prosecuting attorney. Go ahead and write this down. The prosecuting attorney is made up of two entities. Number one, you. You. And number two, the enemy of your soul. His name is Satan. The Bible nicknames Satan the accuser of the brethren, the accuser. So there are two things that Satan is very good at. Number one, he goes to God and he accuses you in the presence of God. Look what they did. Look at their sin. Look at their brokenness. How could you die for them? How could you forgive them? How could you wake them up in the morning? Look at what they said and what they did the the day before. Look at their past. How could you do it? So he goes to God and he accuses you. The second thing he does is he comes to where you are. Or he sends his legions of demons. The Bible says that when God casts Satan out of heaven, that through persuasion or words, 
Satan was able to convince one-third of the heavenly host to follow him. And the Bible also says that the heavenly host is innumerable, meaning that we don't know how many angels are in heaven. There could be trillions, but however many, Satan, through persuasion, through words, through thoughts, through suggestions, he was able to convince one-third of the heavenly host to, to fall with him onto heaven. And these guys are out in the world just speaking into our minds. That's what they're doing. Paul says we battle not against flesh and blood. It's not about people. We learned that last week. People aren't the problem. He says that we war against powers and principalities and high places of darkness. So these are spiritual entities, and it's the prosecutor. And so as I'm sitting here saying these things, I suck and this and that, the enemy is hearing it, and he's just, yeah, you do suck. Yeah, you should shut it down. Yeah, no one is coming. Yeah, no one believed in Christ. Yeah, you, 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 should, you should go and do that thing. You should go and do that and, and, and say this and be negative and, and, and not have any faith and not have any trust. Yeah, you should do that. That's the prosecutor, the enemy of your soul, and it's your brokenness. Because the Bible says that we were all born with a sin nature. And it all makes perfect sense now while there's a structure in our brains that functions to hold on to fear. It's a part of our brokenness. It's how we're, we're built. And so he said, I need you to take a breath. And he said, when the prosecuting attorney is done, the defending attorney will step up. But you got to breathe when you're in these moments where you, you just, you can be driving, you can be at work, you can be in a dark room, but you got to breathe and you got to allow your heavenly father to speak to you. The defender is your heavenly father. He is Jesus, and he is the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. It's one person, three different functions. That's how, that's how God exists. And so the defender will come in. I want to show you something on the, on the screen here. I want to show you something. So the Bible teaches that you and I, we are three in one, just like God. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Um, God is three in one. That's what part of that means, and I could... We could do teachings on that, but that's not the, the focus right now. We are made up of spirit, soul, and body. It says this in Thessalonians. So if you need a reference book, go and type it into Google, spirit, soul, body, Thessalonians. It'll take you to the verse. The Bible teaches that before Christ, because we are all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's not a condemning statement. It's scripture. It's true. Before Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. This simply means that our spirit man is dead. Our souls are alive because we are souls with bodies, souls with bodies, but our spirit is dead. So when a person comes to Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.13 that when a person gives their hearts to Jesus, God gives them the guaranteed deposit, which is the Holy Spirit. The guaranteed deposit that when you place faith in Jesus, that you're going to go to heaven. The deposit is the baptism. The, the Holy Spirit leaves heaven, comes under. The word baptism means to go under. Water baptism goes under. But this is the baptism of the Spirit. The Spirit goes under and enters into your heart. And at the moment you receive the Spirit of God, your spirit comes alive. And so brokenness goes like this. The body encourages the soul. It doesn't worry about the spirit because the spirit is already dead. Right, right. So body, you won't make it, you won't make it, 
You won't. You can't. You won't. You suck. You do, do, do. And it gets into your soul. Your soul. And you're just walking around with perpetual fear and, and, and all this stuff. When the spirit comes alive, as you grow in Christ, as you grow in the word, as you grow in your spirit, as you connect into a healthy local church, your spirit, you, you're, you're availing yourself to the spirit of God. And so the spirit will begin to command the soul. The spirit will begin to command the soul. I want to read a verse about the spirit that God has given us and, uh, in 2 Timothy 1.7, New King James. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. <laughs> if he hasn't given it to us, who has? He's not given you fear. He loves you too much. His plans are too great. They're too big. They're too vast. They're too amazing for your life. He hasn't given it to you. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, dunamai, of love, and of a sound. Finish it. This word sound, I was studying between services, so 930 didn't get this. You don't have to pay me for it. I'll just give this one to you. I'm loose. I guess. I'm zoned in. I'm just, I'm chilling. The word sound in the Greek means an inner outlook that influences outward behavior. You, you, and you see that. So the Spirit of God, when you're growing in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, will begin to tell you to forgive, yeah. Yeah. to let go, to study, to start living pure. The body, which the, 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 the Bible teaches is the flesh, the carnal nature, the sinful nature, lie, yep. be angry, gossip, slander, be nasty. Don't trust God with the tithe. Don't trust God in your finances. The Spirit of God will teach you the Word of God, and it will guide you in all truth. So my counselor was saying, you got to allow the Spirit to begin to speak and to present your case. And what he's going to begin to say is, is, that was a great presentation. Great presentation, prosecuting attorney. But, um, Josh, listen, man, listen. In less than three years, almost 200 people have given their lives to Jesus. In less than three years, almost 100 people have been baptized. In less than three years, miracles have happened. Lives have been changed. The city has been served. New people are coming. People want to come back. And he's going to tell you the same thing. You're doing well. I love you. I'm with you. I'm giving you the strength to make it through this. But you got to breathe and take your thoughts to court. Be like, this may be true. It may not, but this is truer. The second thing I want to encourage you with is to, and this is the title of this message, is to gather the good. Gather the good. Y'all okay? Yeah. I love it. Before the children of Israel was, was about to enter into the promised land, it's ED, because God had already given it to them. 
another different message, but God had already given it to them. There was a practical step that they had to make in order to get everything that God had for them. And Joshua, their leader, said this, Joshua 1, verse 11. He said, go through the camp and tell the people to gather, to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. The word here, provisions, is food and drink. So they needed the physical food and the physical drink to have the strength to fight the battles. Because even though God has given it to you, you got to fix your thoughts. <laughs> you have a part to play in, in a healthy marriage and, and, and good school marks and all these different things. Healthy relate. You have a part to play. We have a part to play. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 4 that the word of God is food for the soul. So the word of God is food for the soul. And with that, go ahead and write this down. God speaks in four different ways. He will give food unto your mind and your soul. Four different ways. Number one, through the word of God, through the scripture. Number two, through circumstances. It takes growing in your spirit to recognize that. That's a little bit more discernment through circumstances. Number three, God will speak through pastors and spiritual authority in your life that you've submitted your life to. It's a biblical thing. And number four, watch this, he'll speak through people. There's a story in the Old Testament where God spoke through a donkey. He spoke through a donkey. And I just believe that God can speak through saved people, through unsaved people. I believe that God is always speaking to us, but there needs to be some intentionality about gathering the good. So, so in this recent times, you, you got to latch on to that stuff. Oh, you did a great job today. Oh, you're amazing. You, you got to begin to hold on to that. Um, over the past week or so, um, PK and I waged war on negative thoughts because we had just been hours in the night, losing sleep, waking up, talking about it all throughout the day, going to bed, talking about it. Uh, it's just a vicious cycle. I said, enough is enough. And so we literally, we did something, we did something very tangible. We went to the store and bought this board and we call it the gather the good board, gathering the good. And what we've started to do is we've been going through old text messages and emails and even verbal things that people have said, and we've started to type those things out and print them. They actually say in the study of psychology that this is one of the ways you, you should write down your negative thoughts, ball them up, and throw them in the trash. Then they say you need to be intentional about gathering thoughts and reading them every day. So for the past two or three days, we go to this board and we read these statements. And as we're reading these statements that God has spoken through people, our faith is being built and endorphins are being released and, and our days are a lot better. So I just want to pass this on to you before we get on the road and head to Florida for vacation. This is a very practical step. Let's give it up for uh, Pastor Kyra. She's going to join me on the stage, y'all. Come on. Gather the good board. This is a little crooked. Yeah, I'm sorry. I checked that out. A little OC. Yeah, okay. Don't drop it, please. I don't know. It's not going to get fixed. It's okay. <laughs> Hi, guys. So, um, yeah, like, I get it. This is practical, and I just, you should do it. You should do it. it it'll bless you. I'm going to start off just reading a few things, and, um, and I mean, it's, whew, it's 
powerful. <laughs> Go through the camp. Pull that verse back up. Yeah. This is the last service. I won't hold you much longer. Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. Get their provisions ready. So before you actually start your day, it's, it's about fixing your thoughts. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. So there's land out there. There's advancement. The plan of God is waiting on you. But until you actually gather the provision, it's going to be tough. Another thing in the Old Testament they would do is um, you should read like Abraham and Jacob. and It's just amazing. Go to Genesis and read it. Everywhere that they would go, they would stop momentarily and build an altar. These would be rocks. Um, sometimes they pour oil over it, but they would anoint that altar. They would build an altar and they would worship God in remembrance of and in gratitude of what he did in that season of their lives. Right. And so part of the purpose behind building an altar was for the next generation to come along and to walk by and to look at those rocks and see that God was faithful to my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. And it would be cemented in their minds that God is good and he's going to prosper us. He's going to advance us because of what he did in the past. So their mentalities were stuck on how powerful and how good God was. Yeah. So we've just been gathering the good. And uh, I won't share many. I don't think we're going to share any names, but uh, I'll share this one. You won't share names, yeah. I promise. No, no. These are just text messages and emails. This is from my nephew. He said this, um, he said, happy Father's Day, Uncle Josh. Love you, man. Keep paving the way. Keep paving the way. This is from somebody, they said, hey, PJ, Pastor Josh. Um, just in case. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Yeah. Just want to let you know that I love you. The promise God has given you will come to pass, and I will help you see it through. Gathering the good. Yeah, this one's a good one. Um, and we, like, make it kind of... Well, yeah, man, have thing. fun with it. Yes. Um, we have almost 100% run out of chairs, and there are still more people coming in. Jesus. Yeah. Those are for those days that uh, you guys take vacations and you don't come to church and we go home depressed because no one's here. <laughs> come on, loosen up. That's funny. 930 is always on it. They're cracking up. It's like a comedy show in here. Maybe it should be something more holy, but... Um, good morning, Pastor Josh. I just listened to the message from Sunday and was inspired by your passion. I just wanted to say thank you so much for leading this church well. Here's to crazy faith. Gather the good. That's good. Here's one. PK, you bring me hope, assurance, and just I'm always reminded that God can also use me in ministry as a woman, truly. I always think back to the night you got ordained. That fuels my faith. I love you so much, and I am praying for a restful night for you and Pastor. Thank you for everything you do for me, for this church, and for God's kingdom. It never goes unnoticed. Amen. Gathering the good. Um, yeah, so th this is a leader who pours into my life. And it's good to hear from peers and people you lead, but it, it's also amazing to hear from people you look up to. He says, praying for you this morning, really feel like I want to assist you in any way and every way I can. I believe what you are building is special. You're building a church that will make an enormous impact. 
one that you can't even imagine. Tell your dreams they aren't big enough. Tell your team that their dreams aren't big enough. I will be honored to dive in a little deeper if you would like me to. I believe God has challenged me to work with you because of our friendship and because of your vision for Highlight. You got to gather the good. Yeah. Gather the good. PK, there are still more people, and I'm going to continue running this race with endurance and perseverance because people matter. Jesus matters. When he, what he did on the cross matters. It'll matter that you left family to move here. Crying emoji, crying emoji. <laughs> All the people that will come and go will matter. Every tear, every heartache, every difficulty matters yeah. because it's for God's glory and not our own. I will be only one of thousands, even millions, who will be impacted by you and pastor's ministry. I know it to the core, and with every ounce of my heart, you moving here was worth it. It is worth it. I'm living my best life, and that's true life in Jesus, beside and underneath the best leaders, pastors, and parents. You see, what I'm, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, you suck. No one's coming. It's a waste of time, and the enemy's just out there by the millions and billions and trillions. You'll never make it. And all. So th this has been like a very powerful e exercise for us. Good morning. <clears throat> oh, no, this is for you, babe. Um, I'll read this one. It says, um, hi, Pastor. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for all that you do for our church and community. This evening, my heart is so grateful that God has given me the opportunity to serve and to be a part of something greater. I love it. We, we get to do this. We get to serve Jesus, you know. It says this, I am and will always be grateful for you and Pastor Kyra. Thank you for the hard work, endless hours, lack of sleep, and everything behind the scenes that nobody knows you do for his kingdom. There's so much weight that us as a body and servers won't be able to understand the weight that you carry. But I thank you for all that you do to continue pushing this church through God's strength, even when you feel tired. Like details, man. People have gotten very detailed about, with you about the areas of your life where you struggle. And they've affirmed you in that. And that's God speaking through them. Because those questions come like, man, I'm so tired, man. No one, no one sees this. I'm doing the right thing, God. I'm at work on time, and my boss is still, you know, and that just continues to ruminate. But details are so important. He says this, exhausted and sometimes discouraged, I honor you, Pastor Josh, and I'm so thankful to call you my pastor. Go ahead and end it off with this one. Um, you and Pastor have been on my heart the past few days. Approximately four days ago, I specifically prayed that if you're facing opposition or questioning your purpose and leadership, that you'll be reassured by the amazing things you've done by allowing God to take the lead. Yesterday morning, Pastor Josh came to mind. I envisioned him questioning his capabilities. In that moment, I could literally feel gut-wrenching fear. Do I have the capability to lead God's children? Do I have the capability to lead at the magnitude that I envisioned? Am I capable of leading without failing your children? And the answer to each of these is absolutely. This isn't just a job or an imprint that will fade away with you. This is greater than you. It's a legacy for the living. When you replied to my Facebook post, I was so overwhelmed with emotions because you had no idea how you were already on my heart. Let's celebrate Jesus, y'all. 
Proverbs 16, 24 says this. It says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I just, I really want to encourage you to, to zone in on this. I mean, go, go back years, be it something you remember someone told you or text message or an email. Go back, dig that stuff up. Because the, the, the new ideas is that we're so connected via social media and all this stuff, but we all feel lonely. No one's speaking life into us, but that's a lie from, from Satan. God has used people to speak life into you. He's affirmed your calling. He's affirmed your destiny. He's affirmed your healing, your potential through people. So we got to be intentional about gathering the good. Pleasant words, pull that back up. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. And celebrate the word of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you. We give you all of the praise and honor. Lord Jesus, we bless your holy name. Now with every head bowed, maybe today you're, you're battling with thoughts, anxiety, fear. Maybe you're, you're heavy in your soul and in your spirit. I'd encourage you that the greatest thing that you could gather is the good news of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died so you would be victorious, so that you would be free. And maybe today you need him in your life. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and I want to give you that opportunity. I want to make that invitation to you. And you can just pray and believe in him right in your seat. So we're going to pray, church. Let's pray together along with those who are going to be praying this prayer for the first time, coming to Christ. Come on, church. Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I turn from a life of sin. Fill my heart with your power and with your spirit. Set me free. Teach me, guide me, lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate, church. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Come on, let's celebrate.